Atonement, substitution, redemption, propitiation. Well, these are just a few of the many words used in the Bible to describe our salvation. And today on Through the Bible, our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, helps us discover the meaning of another important word, reconciliation. I'm Steve Schwetz, inviting you to grab your copy of God's Word and join us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And as you find your place, Greg and I have an update on Through the Bible's ministry in a country that, well, we haven't talked about that much, have we, Greg? No, we haven't, and it's the country of Slovakia, and if you mm. don't know where that is, don't feel bad. I would probably struggle to, to find it on a map. I know it's in uh, Central Europe, but yeah. it's uh, it, it actually, Slovakia is a landlocked country east of Austria, north of Romania. Back in 1993, Czechoslovakia split into the Czech Republic and Slovakia. They have a population of about 5 million and one of the fastest developing economies in the world. Uh, most of the Slovakian people think they're Christians, but yeah. very, very few go to church. So uh, we're just so glad we can bring the, the, the great doctrines of salvation that you just enumerated to the people of uh, Slovakia. Yeah, and we're getting feedback from yes. listeners in that part of the world. Very encouraging stuff. So let's read some listener yeah. stories. Here's one. It says, your interpretation of the scriptures, this must be a younger listener, <laughs> is very cool. Yeah, I like that. With great gratitude, I listen every night with my Bible open and read it with the preacher. I highly recommend it to anyone who wants a deeper understanding of this book of books. Yeah, and it, that, it's neat that you noted that, that that language. I, I doubt it'd be somebody older saying this is very cool. And we are encouraged that around the world, uh, many of the people that listen are younger. You and I have been into South Asia and yeah. seen many, many younger listeners. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons we're, we're pushing out onto new delivery methods, yep. uh, particularly smartphones, because that's where a lot of people are using and engaging their content, young and old. Exactly, exactly. Now, here's another uh, really encouraging response. The well-crafted text of the Bible, focusing on the context, is not tiring. The broadcasts are concise. The very pleasant voice of the producer does not distract from the essence of the text. Thank you for this pleasant interpretation of the Bible, because the written text is very difficult and tedious to read. Hmm. Well, that's honest. I like that. Yeah, yeah, that is a that is a very encouraging letter. Here's another one. It says, I'm grateful for the texts of Scripture that you have conveyed to me. So I can return to the passages that explain the connection between Old Testament and New Testaments that I have not yet been aware of. I like this part of it because that's one of the many things that people love about Dr. McGee is he connects the Old Testament to the New Testament. Reading brings me knowledge, but another sensation is added during your teaching. I don't want my words to sound like cliches, but I have an extraordinarily strong feeling when hearing the Bible. I am grateful to now be a part of the fellowship that has come together to read the Bible and know that he is alive and present with us during this program. Now, if if you're just catching our voices now, we are reading responses from the Through the Bible Slovak language. And Steve, this is so important that all of our listening family understands when we say we want to take the whole word to the whole world, we're serious about that. And it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time and expense to develop a five-year teaching in in a small language like Slovak. But but these people, Christ died for these people, and we want them to hear his word. Yep. And we continue to want to get this into languages that 
very few people speak. I mean, yes. enough to make sense of it because, as we've talked about before, if you are multilingual, which is basically everybody outside of the United States <laughs> speaks right. more than one yeah, language, right. yeah. you love your heart language, and there's a special place in your heart for your heart language. So the more we can get this into some of the smaller languages, so many people understand English, but it's not enough. we got to get it down into those heart languages, and God is blessing that effort, and this, this example of a Slovak program is one of them. Yeah, and so uh, when when you pray for our ministry, pray that God would help us to find ways to get into more languages. Yeah, we're in 200 now. We'd love to see 300 yeah, on the board, so help absolutely. us with those prayers. Greg, why don't you pray for us now as we begin? Father, we just rejoice that you give us the privilege to hand out your word, to, to fling out the seed in a in a country like Slovakia and in other smaller places around the world that don't see the attention of the world media. But we're grateful to give them your word, and we pray you'd continue to transform lives through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's begin our study in 2 Corinthians 5 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now today, friends, we move on in this very wonderful fifth chapter of 2 Corinthians here. And I'm putting in at verse 16, where Paul says, Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Now we saw last time, and we used the illustration, that man was on a high plane. Adam was, and Adam disobeyed God, and he fell, and he came tumbling down the mountain. He was way up back of us on the top of Mount Wilson, but he came right down here now where the rest of us live. Only we weren't living here then. And he came down to this low plain, and he's been begetting sons and daughters in this place of death. Now Christ has come and gone into this place of death. And those that will trust him, what does he do with them? Well, he doesn't take them back up there to the mountain to come tumbling down again. He takes them all the way back to the heavenlies. Now that, for the child of God, puts a new interpretation on the human family. And I want you to see this because actually this is the only solution and the only thing that will enable us to overcome racial and color and social lines. He says, henceforth we know no man after the flesh. We do not know that man over yonder as being a black man. We do not know this man over here as a yellow man. And this man over here is a white man. We do not know this man over here as a rich man. We do not know this man over here as a poor man. What we know is we know all of these men, black, yellow, white, brown, rich, and poor Male and female, we know them all as sinners, all on one plane now. We don't know them after the flesh. Now, that was the thing you remember James said. He says, when a rich man comes in your midst with a ring on and fine clothing, you give him an honored place and you put the poor fellow in the back. Now, he says, that's wrong. Why is it wrong? Because as children of God, we look upon the whole human family as being sinners. Actually, the Line has been raced out between Jew and Gentile, so that both Jew and Gentile, we're all sinners before God. And the only solution is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We do not know any man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh. Now, he came down here 1,900 years ago, born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, walked in Galilee, 
began his ministry in Cana of Galilee and went to Jerusalem, died on a cross there, buried outside the city in Joseph's tomb, rose again the third day and appeared to those that were his own and ascended back into heaven. Now, we don't know him anymore, friends, as the man of Galilee. There's no man of Galilee today. And a great many people this past Christmas made their annual trek to Bethlehem, places crowded at Christmas time. Well, of course, Jerusalem is crowded at Easter time, and they go there. I do not know what they're looking for. He wasn't there this past Christmas. That is, the little baby wasn't. We don't know him anymore after the flesh. Where is he? Well, right now, friends, at this very moment, he's up yonder at God's right hand. He's the glorified Christ. Though we've known him after the flesh, we now henceforth know him no more. We don't know him as that. He's the glorified Christ. Now, therefore, it's not an identification with the one who walked down here 1,900 years, but it's my identification with him yonder in glory. And for that reason, we should take the place of death down here. Now, he goes on and makes then this tremendous statement Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new... Now, let me change that word creature to creation. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, I recognize that this verse is quoted a great deal today. I've heard it in testimony meetings. Someone quotes this verse, and they tell about their conversion... Now they no longer indulge in certain bad habits that they had before. And they consider that since they do not indulge in the bad habits, a fulfillment of this verse. Now, may I say to you, and I want to be very careful now, if you and I are a new creation in Christ Jesus, what are the old things that have passed away? Well, friends, the old things that have passed away... Remember, we were talking about the bottom of the hill where all of us are as sinners. Now we have trusted Christ. Those old relationships have passed away. We're no longer identified with Adam. We're no longer identified with the world system. We are now identified with Christ. We've been baptized into the body of believers, and we belong to him. These are the old things that have passed away, and the new things now are the new relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the thing that is important. Now, I want to be very practical about this. Let's get right down now where the rubber meets the road, right down to the nitty-gritty, friends. Somebody says, that's a wonderful verse. But how may I know absolutely whether I'm a new creation in Christ? Well, will you listen to what the Lord Jesus said? Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but pass from death unto life. Now, do you trust him? Have you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? You sure you have? <laughs> well, then, if you've trusted him, then what does he say to you? He has eternal life. And he's not going to come into judgment, but is passed from death unto life. He said that. Do you believe it? All right, then. You're a new creation, aren't you? On the basis of experience? Well, I hope you have a little experience. 
But the basis is not on experience, but on what the Word of God has to say. You do not any longer belong to the old creation that fell in Adam. The new creation stands in Christ. And if you're in him, my friend, you're in him. Oh, you and I are in the place of danger today, place of temptation. And we may fail in many, many ways. But the wonderful thing is that the Lord Jesus Christ has redeemed us. Now he's going to talk about that. He says, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, I want you to look at this, what is known as the ministry of reconciliation. This ministry of reconciliation is actually God's call to lost men everywhere to come to him with all their sin, all their burden, all their problems, all their difficulties, and be reconciled to him. Now, I want us to look here at this matter of reconciliation. It's used twice in this verse. It's used twice in the next verse. And it's used once in the next verse. And the last verse sums it all up, verse 21. So now we're in a very important section right here. And just for a moment, let's look at this, because this sets before us in a very wonderful way what the ministry of reconciliation is. Now, this ministry of reconciliation is very important. It's so important that we need to recognize today the place that it occupies. God has reconciled the world unto himself. Now, reconciliation is not salvation. It doesn't mean the salvation at all. Reconciliation here, it's a big word. It's a six-cylinder word. It means to change completely. And it's the ministry of changing completely. That means inside out, upside down, right side up. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Now, Well, you notice that there is the Godward side of reconciliation. All things are of God. He hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of changing completely. But who's changing completely? Now, will you notice this? To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses, unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, here is something very important, and I don't want you to miss it. God is never said to be reconciled. God never changes completely. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But it says here that he hath reconciled us to himself. Well, who's reconciled? Why, The world has been reconciled. God has reconciled the world. Now, you look at the world for just a moment, and it's going on its sinful way. Everyone has turned to his own way, we're told. Now, how has God changed the world? Well, it's his attitude, his relationship, and his dealing. It is through Christ that the world is reconciled to God. 
and it's reconciled by the death of Christ. That is the thing that he has done, you see, this marvelous ministry of reconciliation. It's the work that he's done. And I think probably it might be well to call in another verse at this particular point. And I'm going over to Colossians 1.21 and let you listen to that for just a moment. I hadn't intended to turn to this, but will you listen to it? Let me drop back and read verse 20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Now, when we're told that every knee's going to bow to him, it'd be things in heaven, in earth, and under the earth. But you see here, the hell's not reconciled. This, my friend, is the world and heaven and all of his creatures now have been reconciled to him. In what way? Well, in you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. Now, the death of Christ is what reconciled the world to God. Now, God's not reconciled. God hasn't changed. But the world has been put in a different position. Why? Because Christ died. You see, when Adam sinned back there in the Garden of Eden, a holy God just couldn't reach down and save him. God had to do something about his sin. God had to judge man. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And God told Adam, in the day you eat thereof, you'll die. Well, he died that very day spiritually, and 900 years later, he died physically. He died spiritually, no capacity to God, alienated and separated from God. And that's the condition of the world. God would have to judge it. But now God has his arms outstretched to a lost world. And he's saying to a lost world, you can come to me. The worst sinner in the world can come to him. Today doesn't make any difference who you are. You can come to him. It means that a holy God that must judge us now can reach down and save us if we'll come to him. Now, the picture is simply this. When Christ died on the cross, a holy God turned around to the world. He's not reconciled. He felt that way before. And all the sacrifices pointed to the coming of Christ. And God never had but one way of saving sinners, those that would turn to him. And now he's committed this word of reconciliation. And who is the reconciliation for? Well, you see, God has turned toward man today. You don't have to do anything to win him over. God's not a policeman that's around the corner with a billy club wanting to hit you on the head. God is not actually angry with you. He doesn't hate you. God loves you. Remember that woman that they brought to the Lord Jesus, according to the 8th chapter of the Gospel of John. And you remember the Lord Jesus said to that crowd of hypocritical religious leaders, he said to them, you that are without sin, you throw the first stone. And that crowd departed. You know why? It says he wrote down something on the earth. They wrote in the sand there. And it's very interesting. Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 17, 13 says, They that depart from me shall be written on the earth. <laughs> and those old boys there, I think one old Pharisee, it says beginning with the old and then down to the young. The old had more sense than the young. The young, they hung around a little too long. But the 
old fellows, as the Lord Jesus would write down, one old fellow. Nobody knew that he'd had an affair with a woman over yonder in Corinth. <laughs> and our Lord knew all about it. He just wrote down the name of the girl. And this old Pharisee looked over and he saw that name written down. He said, I remembered I had another engagement. And he tore out in another direction. And before long, they're all gone except one person. Who is that? The Lord Jesus. The only one that could have thrown a stone at her, he didn't throw a stone at her. What did he say to her? He said to her, where are those that condemn you? Well, she said, there are none. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You see, he's reconciled. He's not shutting his eyes to sin. He died for the sins of that woman. He said to her, go and sin no more. My friend, God has got his arms outstretched to you. And that's what he says here then. Now then, we're ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Now, what is the message? Well, the message today is that we're ambassadors. Now, let's look at that for just a moment. Who is an ambassador? Well, Webster says it's a minister of the highest rank accredited to a foreign government, a sovereign, as the official representative of his own government, our sovereign. Now, we're ambassadors for Christ. We're in a foreign land. Peter says we're pilgrims and strangers down here. Paul in Philippians 3.20 says, for our conversation, our citizenship is in heaven, and we're ambassadors down here. And you know, when an ambassador is present in a government, it means they're on friendly relationship. God's still friendly with this world. Well, one of these days, he's going to call his ambassadors home. Then judgment will begin. Now, you see, when man sinned, God and wholeness turned. But God loved man. And when Christ died on the cross, God now can hold out his arms and say, you can come. Now, we are ambassadors. And what are we to do? Well, we're just to tell you, folks, that he'll save you. All God's asking you to do is to turn to him. Well, God's not going to try to get even with you. He's not going to strike you. doesn't want a punishment. doesn't want to lay a hand on you. Oh, if you were his child and sin, you won't get by with it. But my friend, this is a great day today. We can just say to you, be ye reconciled to God. And all he asks you to do is turn to him. Why? Because he bore it all for you. On him, almighty vengeance fell that would have sunk a world to hell. He bore it for a chosen race and thus becomes our hiding place. He's reconciled. You don't have to shed tears to win him over. Evangelist friend of mine's always trying to get people to cry. I have a lot of fun with him. I ask him, how many tears do you have to shed to get God's heart solved? Oh, he said, McGee, don't be ridiculous. I said, I'm not being you are. And if it takes 12 tears, then blebin won't do. But that's silly. He said, it's silly. I said, it's silly too. You don't have to shed tears. God's heart solved. He loves you. He wants to save you. Why? Well, he hath made him to be sin for us. He took my place down here, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You know, he's given me his place, clothed in his righteousness. Let me put it like this. He took my hell down here, and I might have his heaven up yonder. He did that for me. My friend, he's saying the same thing to you today. He's saying, be reconciled. Why don't you turn around to him? Why don't you come to him? 
Why don't you trust him? He won't lay a hand on you, but he bore it all for you. He'll take you in his hand, and you'll never perish if you come to him. Oh, my friend, this is such a wonderful word. Have you been able to get it out to anyone else? Honestly, Christian, today, whoever you are, wherever you are, however you are, what are you doing today to get this word of reconciliation out to a lost world? God is reconciled. world's reconciled to him. But you're going to have to turn around. And by faith, you're going to have to come to him. And let's get this word out, friends. And if you're not engaged elsewhere, help us get it out today. Because a lot of folk want to hear it. We found that out. Until next time, may God richly bless you, my beloved. What a great word from Dr. McGee. I want to echo his last invitation. If you'd like to join us as we get the word of reconciliation out in more than 200 languages worldwide, visit ttb.org forward slash give or call 1-800-65-BIBLE. Let's together take God's whole word to his whole world. And you can also write to Box 7100, Pasadena, California, 91109. In Canada, Box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C, 6B1. Our adventure through 2 Corinthians continues next time in Chapter 6. I'm Steve Schweitz, and I'll save a seat on the Bible bus just for you. Through the Bible is a five-year study of God's entire Word, and together we discover God's purposes in history and our lives, found only when we believe in Jesus Christ. Do you know Him yet?